Welcome to The Proper Blokes, brought to you by Prism, the creators of The Disputable Take. And here is your host, Matthew Medina. Welcome to another episode of The Proper Blokes Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Medina, and this is our soccer-only podcast on the Prism Network. We talk all sorts of soccer slash football, from EPL to the Champions League to the MLS to international tournaments. Uh, We break down games. Uh, but we also look uh, at the business side of soccer as well, just like on the uh, on the Funky Cold Hoops, we talk a little business there at the end. Um, we'll look at some of the business side, not today's episode so much, but definitely towards the summer uh, when the silly season begins here. After all the major European leagues finish, um, it's going to be crazy again in the summer. So, you know, we'll talk business there, the economics of some things, and uh, we'll go from there. Also, when we talk about the MLS, it's one of the things that I kind of, it should be a better league than it should, although it's, it's, it's really good so far, to be real honest with you, as far as what they're doing, the interest in this country, while it's not as high as some of the other countries in the world, it's getting better every single year over year over year. So I think there's some ways that we can get better, but we're not going to talk about that in today's episode. That's, you know, kind of sneak peeks for further down the line. There's going to be like an episode. I worked on a dossier on how to make the MLS better, and I'll, I'll bring it on and I'll record it for you guys. Um, but today we're going to start uh, in the world, in the Europe, Europe, ugh, in Europe, in the Champions League. And uh, we start in Turin and the home of the old lady, Juventus. Ju- uh, Juventus moved on on Tuesday as they dispatch Monaco with the 4-1 goal difference on aggregate. I picked Juventus, um, and, I, and they were rewarded for their dominant play in both Serie A and the Champions League. They've only conceded like three goals in the Champions League, so you have to give them that. Um, and they conceded their first goal since the group stage against Monaco, but by then the the series, the, the, uh, the tie was already pretty much over. Um, to be fair to Monaco though they did have chances to take an early lead um and put juventus on the back foot they just you know if they had scored earlier does that change the tie i don't think so uh juventus still controlled most of the game my opinion um even after their somewhat shaky start like it was literally it was really shaky for the first 10 10 12 minutes there um but after that they started to hold the ball get get the ball more possess it a little bit more they created more chances in at the overall in the game. They had more shots on goal as well, so they kind of dominated the goal. And then at, you know they scored in the 33rd minute through Mario Mandzukic, good, good goal there. Um, you know, right before half they scored another goal with a great goal from Danny Alves, beautiful goal. Um, that was pretty much all she wrote. Monaco, they are young, you have to give you know they fought with everything they have, but it's too much to overcome. Too much to overcome. Um, good for them though for for showing up and trying to and, and competing they were younger they're a lot younger than juventus so you have to give them credit for for not quitting they fought to the very end so that looks good for them but you know juventus look more poised and they finish their chances and that's the name of the game you know finish your chances create chances and finish those chances you can create all the chances in the world manchester united and if you're not finishing them it's not going to be you're not going to be as successful as you want to be so um, just just to take a little quick second here about Monaco, it's going to be interesting to see how their off season goes. You know, they have a lot of young players who a lot of people want, so we'll see how many of them they're able to keep. If they're able to keep many, um, they look like an up and coming team. But 
this is what usually happens in world football. When you're an up-and-coming team and your name is not Bayern Munich, Manchester United, Barcelona, or Real Madrid, you tend to lose your young players, especially teams in the French League like Monaco. Um, they, they don't generate – I want to make sure I put this into concept. They don't generate as much revenue as, say, teams in the English Premier League. So um, for them to retain their players is a little bit harder than most everyone else. So we're going to see. They could lose a, a bunch of players like Mbappe, Fabinho. I mean, they have players, wingers, that are being sought after. So um, as for Juventus, they fully deserve this. They should be in the final. Uh, they've been the best team in this tournament by far. They, they kind of look like the best team in Europe. I know, I know a, lot of, a lot of people will argue Bayern or Barcelona, but they beat Barcelona. So, you know, technically they're better. and They've dominated Serie A. I'm rooting for them to win this tournament, especially because my team got knocked out at the last four. Um, you know, Buffon is a gentleman. He's such a great goalkeeper. They look like they should be able to defend enough and attack. Like, they, they have a really good blend of defense and attack with their players here, and they should be able to um, take the game to Real Madrid, who's their opponent going to be. Uh, speaking of the other semifinal, their Real finished the job against their crosstown rivals, on aggregate, uh, they may have lost the game. They lost two to one, but they absolutely took the air out of the stadium in the 43rd minute after Benzema put a move, and I mean a move, on not one, not two, but three Real Madrid, uh, Atletico defenders, excuse me, and he set up Isco's away goal, and that was kind of all she wrote. The stadium was loud. The stadium was in it. The players were fired up, and when they scored that goal, it so. Um, and what happened really, it was kind of a culmination of things. It's not that that goal came out of nowhere. The, after the second goal, Real Madrid, you know, they turned to Luka Modric and he went to work. Okay. He got on the ball. He held it. He, they, they sucked the life out of this stadium. I mean, and it was, it was loud. When you watch the game, it was loud. And then Luka Modric, like I said, he went to work and he just, I'm not giving the ball up. We're holding it. And you're not even going to see the ball ever again. I mean, they went into halftime with a 68% possession, um, possession lead um, at halftime. So, I mean, you could tell, like, they were just sitting on the ball, waiting and waiting. And then that goal was really a culmination of a dominating um, 20 minutes there. So, you know, you got Atletico gave everything they could. They just, they just couldn't overcome that deficit. Not scoring a away goal and then and conceding. Uh, three away goals, it's just, that's real, or three home goals, three goals in any tie. It's just not easy to overcome. They are just like Monaco, where, um, although they have a little bit more clout than Monaco, it is also going to be interesting to see how their summer goes. They have Antoine Griezmann, and he is subject of a lot of rumors. He could be going to Real, he could be going to Manchester United. It seems those are the two teams that he's destined to play for. And... It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, I mean, there's rumors already. Even if if he even decides to leave Atleti, there's rumors he's already has a deal in place with Manchester United. So, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Atletico can do. If they can sign, you know, Alexander Lacazette, maybe he stays and they make a legit run at La Liga and Champions League glory again. So, um, it's going to be an interesting final. Two of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, literally. They're the two most successful teams in their respective 
countries. It's Juventus are by far, it's not even close, by far the most successful team in Italy. They have like over 40 top flight championships. Uh, they may not have the European dominance that, say, AC Milan and Inter Milan have, which is fine, but they dominate Italy. And then Real Madrid also, they're the, they, they have the most championships in, in um, La Liga history, and they've, they've won like 11 or 10 or 11 uh, Champions Leagues. I think it's 11. So there you go. It's going to be great. Big names, big clubs, offense, defense. You get everything. Um, you know, Zinedine Zidane played for both teams. So it's huge. Great storyline. It's going to be great. It should be a ratings bonanza. We're going to move on to EPL. Uh, some somewhat interesting and some also some anticlimactic results. Uh, we're going to start with United. Draw to City at City ain't so bad, you know, but their unbeaten streak came to an end against struggling Arsenal squad. Um, you know, I watched the whole game. They had no attacking spirit at all. It was, um, to be fair, it was like Josie was trying to prevent injuries. And he was trying to just defend, 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 and nick a goal. And I like what Robbie Musto said. He He's kind of right. He's not wrong. It's one of those where he's not wrong, but he's he's not 100% right either, if that makes any sense. United are united. And they, they should have a deep enough squad to where they're not worried about fielding a quote-unquote B squad in the league. Like They should have 25 to 30 players. And you know they just had no attacking impetus against Arsenal. It was it was just it was like the guys were the the, the players were told just sit back and don't do anything. So I get it. He is right. Jose Mourinho is right. It is easier to win two games than it is to win four games. But I mean, man, come on, dude. You spent the money you spent, the squad you have, the players you have, and you can't even show up for Arsenal. I mean, that's you know. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, you know, they were able to get some players from rest, though. Pogba didn't come in at all. Baye was able to rest. Um, you know, we'll see. They have a big game today. I'm recording this Thursday before the game, so they have a big game today. They have got to win that game. If they don't win that game, and if they don't win the the Europa League, he's going to look like a buffoon. But you never know. They, should, they have a one-goal lead. They should win, but... This team plays so tight at home. I mean, they've been fine on the road. They've dominated on the road. It's at home is where they have all these draws. So you never know. Uh, filling up the rest of the uh, EPL there, Spurs did a Spursy thing. You know, after I've been giving them so much credit, they win. They lost away. No, I didn't think they were going to win the the Premier League, but they sit. They they um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the phrase I'm looking for? Anyways, well, they, they made themselves lose. They lost to West Ham 1-0, signaled the end of their title chase. What I hope, though, is that this doesn't have, like, a hangover effect and they just maybe finish third or something like they did last year. You've got to finish strong, finish in second place. Uh, Chelsea won again. They play tomorrow. They'll probably win the division tomorrow. So, you know, congratulations to them. City look more and more to finish third now. Liverpool finished fourth. Uh, going to the bottom... Uh, Swansea had a huge win over Everton. Great atmosphere in that game, by the way. They moved a point above Hull City. Hull City, I can't even put this into words. Devastating. Devastating loss at home to already, let me repeat that, to already relegated Sunderland, the worst team in top flight. They lost to them at home. 
if they don't make the top, if they if they don't survive relegation, this is the game they're going to look to and say, well, that's why we didn't make it. If you cannot lose two nil at home to Sunderland team who can't score a goal, I mean, unacceptable, unacceptable. This late in the season, and they had they played better. They didn't finish chances. You've got to finish. You have to finish chances. You know, I know I, when I say with United, it is what it is, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't finish chances. But United don't have to worry about relegation. They're trying to get into the top four and whatever. You cannot miss chances when you're at the relegation point this close to the, this close to the end of the season. You've got to bag those goals. They had tons of goals. Now, they did get the um, – Sunderland did get some breaks. They should have got a penalty call for a whole city. wasn't called. Offsides call, I think, that negated a goal. I mean, they they got everything to work against them. It worked. But, man – if they don't finish it, if they finish outside the top 17, this is the game they're going to look like. They're going to look to. Um, interesting, interesting last two games. All right, we're going to move on, uh, come back home to the domestic side, moving on to the MLS, where Orlando City, who I said were going to be champions last week, Winton got whipped on their two road games. Uh they played well against Toronto, to be fair. Just couldn't find the equalizer. Kyle Laren had a shot like halfway through the second half. Could have scored a goal there. Didn't happen. You know, if that if he scores that equalizer, this road trip doesn't look as bad. Um it, it looked like the physics of the ball just denied him. Like it looked like it was a FIFA ball. The ball just goes wherever it wants to go and not where it should go. Um The Houston loss, though. Less said the better. Uh, they lost four 0 there, and it just wasn't a good look. Um, having said that, though, Fox Sports again continues to be the preeminent source for um, soccer analysis, and they brought up a really good point there that I'm going to echo here. Uh, most teams are not that great on the road in this league, um, so let's see how they play this weekend um, at home under the lights uh, Saturday night. Um, it's just that the last couple champions have like had losing records on the road, so it's not as big a deal in this league. As long as you can draw, you should be fine. But one thing that is concerning is their inability to score goals. They now have a zero goal differential. They have eleven goals scored and eleven goals um against. So you know all the other teams have plus eight plus six goal differential and you know Orlando City just seemed just can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net we'll see how it goes it was two games within like four days long long flight from Toronto um, first of all from Orlando to Toronto from Toronto to Houston so it's cut them some slack um, but they've now fallen behind Toronto in the east they're now second behind them but again still early uh, one interesting note just to reinforce that point Minnesota United has sprung to life lately. A lot of home games lately. Further proof that home games matter in the MLS more than anything. As long as you can draw on the road, you'll be able to make the playoffs. And then now speaking of Orlando, huge announcement for the city of Orlando. Um, they're going to be hosting the final World Cup qualifier for the U.S. Uh, men's national team at the new Orlando City Stadium. Uh, Florida itself is quickly becoming the hotbed for soccer. Um, and the Central Florida region, region, which will include Tampa as well, is getting used to hosting these international games and big games. Um, and when you look at the state of Florida, obviously the main choice would be Miami. 
You know, it's a big city. It's on the beach. It's multicultural. You would think, ideally, that's where, and that's what happened. The Miami Fusion started there. A lot of teams want to go to Miami to play and stuff like that, but Miami's just a terrible sports city. It really is. And I think more and more people are starting to see that. The Dolphins don't sell out. The Heat had LeBron James, and they didn't sell out. The Miami Heat, I mean, the Hurricanes get like 10,000 people whenever the opponent is not named Florida State. You know, it's just a terrible sports town. And you like to think, well, it's an event town. It's like, yeah, it's an event town. But like this, I don't know how good. We'll see. The Barcelona and Real are going to meet there um, this summer as part of the International Champions Cup, ICC. Yeah, International Champions Cup. So we'll see how the turnout is there. But, you know, it's start, other places in Florida are starting to show that they're more um, excited, more interested would be the better words. Um, Jacksonville hosted a World Cup qualifier last year for an international game, the U.S. men's national team. Orlando had some Copa America games, Copa America Centenario games last year. Tampa's hosting a World Cup game, uh, World, a Gold Cup, excuse me, Gold Cup game this year. I'm going to that game. Um, and then Orlando's also going to have Tottenham and Paris Saint-Germain as part of the ICC this summer. So, you know, the state of Florida is, is turning it around. It's starting to show you that, hey, this, is, this could be a power for soccer in this country. Uh, proper soccer can succeed in the South as long as it's done properly. And, um, you know, Orlando is leading the charge for this sport down here in the Southeast. I just look at the future games. Look at the state. Look at the stadium on TV. They're trying to get the stadium on TV because it looks great. It's a, it's a message to the rest of the country. Hey, this is fun. You should be here. Everybody loves it. And what's great, what I told one of my friends, and this isn't to sound, you know, racist or anything like that because it's not. However, this is a real thing. Like, it's very cool. When you go to when I go to Orlando City game, I don't just see 80% Caucasians. You know, there's Caucasian, there's white people, there's black people, there's Spanish people, there's everybody's there. There's South Americans, there's Central Americans, there's English people there. Like one of my friends, she she told me she told me she sat next to a guy who was calling everybody um, a wanker. So, <laughs> I mean, everybody's going to these games, and it's really it's cool to see like when you go to a magic game like it's predominantly white and that's nothing wrong but it's it's kind of cool to see your you know something that you can relate to and that kind of matters so putting this stadium on tv really shows the message that hey everybody can come together and root for this sport you know it is a unifying thing it is cool you know everybody likes it it doesn't matter who you are man woman child young old you know, color of your skin. Everybody likes it, you know, and there's everybody's there. There's, you know, people who there's like there's um, it, everybody goes there. OK, so that's it's good to see in Orlando's kind of leading the charge for in the southeast that this is the home of soccer in the southeast, this state. So or this city is so that's it for today's episode. Kind of short. Um you know, not too many topics to talk about, but uh, thanks for listening, subscribing, and continue to follow us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Uh, again, this has been part of the Prism Network. This is the fastest growing podcast out of the Lake Mary Sanford Heath Corridor. 
probably because it is the only one. But again, thank you all for listening. All uh, those who continue to listen, we really appreciate it. We're trying to get better and better every episode. Uh, I just found this website um, that I'm going to keep reviewing and looking at. Gave me some really great stats. I think it's going to help take our analysis to the next level. Um, so that's cool there. And again, thanks as always for all your support. And lastly, you know the saying, enjoy football on the telly.